The Oath Keepers were on trial this week in Washington, D.C. for alleged acts of sedition. Now, I don't know, man. And the allegation is that these guys were using military-grade weaponry and tactics to overthrow the United States government. Yet what we all saw with our own eyes is a bunch of yahoos at a redneck convention. And not your normal redneck gathering, as I'm not sure I saw even a single can of beer in any of the videos. Now, I'm not saying these guys are not guilty. It's too soon for that. What I am saying is this resembled what it might look like if rednecks could host their own Black Friday event at the neighborhood garage sale in the Richie Rich subdivision. Yeah, hey, move out of the way. That's my Elvis Presley statue. Also in the news, the Supreme Court was back in session after its summer recess. And they have a lot of work to do, as I believe they only have a few hours before their winter recess begins. Yeah, great career choice, guys. I should have studied harder. Well, we'll have these stories and more in this week's Debriefing of the Law. Chris, we are going to start off. I would like to focus on Hollywood. It's, it's that time of year. Football's been going for a couple of weeks. It's, not, it's my favorite yeah. reality TV series. But yeah. now is a time that TV is coming back on our boob tubes. And I'm always fascinated. I don't know why. I, I'm drawn to legal shows. I don't know why I am drawn to legal shows. It's possible because... I like to make fun of them and say there's yes. no way that would actually happen in yes. the real practice of law. I will say some of them do have some pretty accurate depictions of the legal profession. I know I studied mm -hmm. for my Kansas bar exam by watching Law & Order. By the there way, you Law & Order is still on TV now. What a long-running oh show that is. I know it took a hiatus and came back. Whatever. So, Whatever. Chris, let's just here in this opening segment talk oh. about what is there to watch on TV, as it relates to law, I know you have a favorite. You're kind of a superheroes kind of guy. Yeah, I do. I am enjoying the the She-Hulk Attorney at Law series. I find it fun. There's a lot of levity to it. It is absolutely butchering civil procedure. Ridiculous. Like if you think outside of superheroes, like if we okay. set that aside, if you look at how they take a case, how they go from having a client to a case to a settlement conference to a trial. It is completely inaccurate. How they argue in front of the court or they show deference to the judge, also inaccurate. All of, all of it, if you just looked at it from a civil procedure side, not paying attention to the co that it's like superheroes suing superheroes or, you know, stuff like okay. that. Hold on a second. So what is the premise of the show? So you say superheroes, and my first thought right. was when I was a young kid, I would have superhero underwear. But let's, let's oh, set yeah. that to the side. Same. Uh, here you got two superheroes. Or you said a couple of su superheroes in law. So are, do they have right. superhero powers in the courtroom? Or is it just they happen to be superheroes, and for their day job, they are lawyers? A, a little bit of both actually um so the the she-hulk premise is that uh jen walters who is the main character she is bruce banner who is the hulk um it's cousin they get in a car wreck she gets okay. his blood and now she can she can morph in between being normal human and she-hulk character okay. um and she gets picked up by a large firm in new york or in la whatever city they're in i don't remember which one maybe la 
um, to run the superhero division, but she has to be in the She-Hulk form at all times at the law firm to draw superheroes. And I so see. she's a lawyer. She's a respected lawyer as as is, but then she now has superpowers. And then some of the stories are about going to trial, uh, her going to trial. Some of the stories are about the superhero division of this law firm representing people who have powers or people who are considered superheroes or super power, whatever mutants, whatever in their different cases. Some of them are laughable. Like there's a guy who can like die and then immediately come back to life. And he marries like 19 different women. And instead of breaking up with them, he just kills himself. And so the marriage is over because he's dead, but he comes back to life. And now all the wives in one husband is like, um, we deserve something. So there's like a settlement conference scene where you're just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I like so, that. I got to it's, it's a fun show. It's a fun show. You know, that, that reminds me of an actual real legal issue in, I believe it was Iowa. It's actually in my book. Uh, hey, what, what a great plug-in for our book. But nonetheless, um, yeah. the issue was this person who was serving a life sentence in Iowa died in jail. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then they did some recitation. They brought him back to life. He then died again. This happened five times where they kept having to resuscitate him. Ooh. So what does he do? He files a motion with court to be released from jail saying, hey, look, my time is up. I was sentenced to one life sentence. I am now on my fifth life. And so I should be a free person. The court said, cute, but no cute. Get back in jail. But so uh, I, I, that, that's real law. He, apparently, some of that yeah. now has actually made its way to superhero storylines. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to watch that. That's a it's a fascinating show. Uh, I can't wait. I, you know, some lawyer is gonna start advertising that he or oh, she yeah. is a superhero. I mean, of based course. upon this movie, it's of too course. obvious. So I'm assuming we're gonna see some uh, lawyer advertisements in the near future. I you saw know- a show this last <sighs> week. Uh, so help me Todd and it, it's a mm-hmm. real fun show as well it's quirky it's about an hour long show it's some comedy and some drama as well I saw it for the first time last night so I'm not really ready to talk about it too much uh-huh. I want to just say based upon the first episode their depictions of the legal profession were kind of accurate I mean they didn't have any of this nonsense oh. where a lawsuit was filed they go to commercial break they come back from commercial break and they're seating a jury no, no, nothing crazy yeah. like that it's actually oh yeah this lawsuit's been going on we have discovery and now we are going to be you know, proceeding to trial I, I just love it how like you watch a bull and, and in bull they'll yeah. have oh my gosh, you yeah. know at the very beginning, some murder happened, and then when they come back and start the show, they're seating a jury like later on that week. Mm-hmm. No, the, the Constitution gives you a right to a speedy trial, not that, not that speedy. speedy. Yeah, right. it's not that quick. Well, right. Wasn't it like the the Perry Mason and the Matlock days, where it was like a crime happened, and then all of a sudden we're at jury trial, and you're like, Ben Matlock, it's been roughly thirty one minutes. Right, like, exactly. Like you're doing, you're doing 365 jury trials a year. We're having some talks here. Let's let's figure this out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So hey, if you know of any shows out there, let us know because I like to watch these mm-hmm. lawyer TV shows or movies just because I want to opine on how true to life it is or how utterly idiotic it is. But hey, I can get past the superhero powers. That much I am good with. All right, yeah. Chris, there's been a lot going on in the world of law. A lot for us to unpack here. Let's start off with the Oath Keepers trial. Have you been following that trial in D.C.? 
I have I will actually be in DC next week. Uh, not for that trial. Expert, just saying. Okay. I, I, nope, nope, no, 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 no. Well, no. well, you had time to go check out the trial. I am. I'm actually going to stop in and see if I can see a little bit of it. Um, okay. While I'm there, but right. I've been following a a little bit of it. I'm not I'm not hip to everything about it. I you know I I'm following it because it's very interesting, especially all the stuff coming out of J6. So. All right, let me just kind of set the stage real quickly on what's going on here. Elmer Stewart Rhodes is the 56-year-old leader of the Oath Keepers. He is Mm -hmm. facing a trial along with four of his fellow members. Hold on, Joel. Let's pause for a second. What are the Oath Keepers? Because that may be something people don't even understand. I'm so not oath- sure I understand because here's the deal. Right. Where we are going with this, of course, is yeah. what happened on January 6th. And, and so right. there's this group, this Oath Keepers group that's out there. What kind of a group is it? Who's a member of it? Did they all have to sign right. their name to it? I, I, what kind right. of you know coordination did they have? I'm sure that's all going to come out in this trial because, Chris, mm-hmm. here's my take on it. What is being alleged that this Oath Keepers group planned and what we saw take place two different worlds altogether i mean i just heard opening argument and during the opening argument the prosecution was saying hey look these guys planned this whole uh overthrow of the united states government with military tactics and with uh with weapons and they tried to accumulate all these weaponry to overtake the united states government and i'm thinking Okay, that's not what I saw. I was watching TV on January 6th. I have seen the tape of what happened on January 6th. This was not some military-grade operation. So what is going on here? I well, don't know. I, I, I agree that this was not a tactically swift attack on January 6th. I also would like to believe, from, from what I know of the Oath Keepers, they're like y'all kaida they're like a bunch of guys who they're like eight guys in a Dodge Durango acting like they're militia, like buying all the gear, buying all the tactical gear, buying all the, the clothing line that's incorporated with military and military vets and pretending like they're the guys that are right. going to be saving, saving the Republic. It, there was a, there were a few years back and I want to say maybe eight or 10 years back, there was a shooting at a military recruiting office in, I want to say Tennessee where a couple of recruiters were unfortunately gunned down by someone who shot up the office. And then a bunch of these guys that were clearly not military grade showed up to defend the recruiting post in my head. These, these are the type of gentlemen, not, not specifically, but that's the, the archetype, right? Right, They think they're military. They love the military. They want to promote the military, but then themselves would never join the military or be combat ready to do so. And maybe even they would never be eligible to join, right. join the military. Right. Kind of these, uh, you know, the the physical requirements. You got to run a mile, yes. you know, in five pull minutes ups, or so. Push-ups. Yeah, We're just right. saying they might struggle a little bit with those physical requirements. Nonetheless, right. during Cosplay. opening argument, federal prosecutor Jeffrey Nessler argued that Rhodes and his fellow Oath Keeper members concocted a plan for armed rebellion and their objective Mm -hmm. was to, and I quote, stop by whatever means necessary, the lawful transfer of presidential power, including by taking up arms against the United States government. Close quote. Okay, Chris, here's where I'm going to have a problem with this. I know that's what the prosecutor said during the opening argument. We didn't see that. 
When you watch it January 6th, you saw nothing of that sort. And so that's going to be one of my takes on this. If this mm -hmm. truly were an insurrection attempt, it was the dumbest, most ill-conceived insurrection attempt in history. I am going to call this, Chris, the Bay of Spoons. Imagine a group of insurrectionists, wannabes, trying to overtake the most powerful country in the known world, in the history of the United States, they're a bunch of yahoos, a bunch of hillbillies trying to overtake the U.S. government. Chris, did you know that they don't even have any weaponry? When they, when you saw the the uh, these people march into the uh, the Capitol building on that January sixth day, you didn't see any guns. If this were an insurrection, I'm calling this the Bay of Spoons. W what is right. your take? This was 100 percent an insurrection. That is exact. Just because that they don't have the mental fortitude or the physical attributes to actually carry it out, like that doesn't mean that that wasn't what the intent, the intent, and the attempt was on January sixth was to stop a peaceful transfer of power. Just no, no, because no, no, no. It, it has to be within some realm of of reasonableness of, of even they did they stormed the, they stormed the Capitol. They broke into the Capitol. They broke into to with open the, doors. They had the doors open for them, which and tells Chris, me they, that the Capitol Police was on their side. Like this Chris, wasn't this, this was Joel. I hundred percent. This was an insurrection attempt by Trump and his supporters to try to overthrow because they did not like the overwhelming evidence that he lost. And, and, I, and I just because they failed miserably doesn't mean they shouldn't be held accountable. I almost think, though, because they failed miserably, and I will agree mm -hmm. with that 100%. That well, kind of speaks to maybe there was no plan in the first place. Again, they talk about, oh, a military insurrection. Where's the weaponry? These aren't even real spoons. These are plastic spoons these guys had. I mean, this was right. not a military insurrection. They're trying to take down the United States. And they're mm -hmm. just marching in like they're going into some kind of garage cell looking for different kind of memorabilia. Chris, I'm not buying. I it. mean, they did they did injure several Capitol Police officers while no. they were trying let's, to let's look at that. Let's look at that. That is one of the biggest misnomers that are out there. It was, oh, this is a deadly insurrection. You I know, never said actually, deadly. I said they injured several Capitol Police officers. Right. So let's take a look at that. So we had the one person who actually died. This was Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran. Right. She was unarmed. She was shot by Capitol Police. So the one person who actually While died trying. was shot by the Capitol Police. Right. So this was not anyone else. This was one mm -hmm. of the people that were trying to. And insurrectionists. I, I don't know. One of the insurrectionists kind of trying to breach the Capitol and refused a lawful order. Like the law and right. order crowd is really kind of pushing it right now where they're saying like, oh, nothing happened. No, they, they breached the Capitol and refused. If they just complied, they would have been I, fine. I have yet to hear the evidence that the person thought she had a gun or she had a weapon, and that's why it was self-defense. I don't know why the, the the police officer opened fire on this person. They think she was holding a gun. I have not heard any information about that, but nonetheless, they opened a fire. They shot and they killed Ashley. Uh, Kevin mm -hmm. Greason died of a heart attack collapsing on the sidewalk west of the Capitol on January 6th. He's another insurrectionist if you will uh he died of natural causes is what the the, the examiner reported uh roseanne boylan also 
They originally said she appeared to be crushed by a stampede of fellow rioters. Autopsy showed they, she actually died of an accidental overdose. And so there were okay. some drugs in the system, and that's how she collapsed there. So it wasn't the stampede. It was an accidental overdose, according to the medical examiner. And, and okay. so Benjamin Phillips, uh, he uh, also died of a stroke during, and this is all uh, days after, but mm -hmm. again, natural causes, maybe related to the excitement of what was going on, I guess. But none of these people actually died except for the one due to firing. And it was when the Capitol Police opened fire on her. Again, there is no mm -hmm. indication that she actually had a weapon on herself and, and they, they feared for self-defense, but they just opened up fire on, on her in the situation. So this was not a deadly insurrection or a bloody insurrection. It, it was 128 Capitol Police officers, according to the GAO report, were injured or hurt or bloodied during the event. So I didn't say it was okay. a deadly insurrection. I said it was a violent insurrection. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give you that one. Now, there were some police yeah. officers who did die. They, uh, Brian Sicknick uh, died the day after. The medical examiners ruled that he died of natural causes, uh, multiple right. strokes that occurred. Uh, so that maybe, again, from the excitement. Another police mm -hmm. officer, two other police officers actually committed suicide days afterward. That obviously is a tragedy mm -hmm. there. Uh, and, and so... Oddly enough, though, the police agencies have not classified these suicides as in the line of duty, so they are not right. paying out benefits yet to these families. I don't know what the issue. bottom of that, right? Why they are not uh, paying, um, you know, benefits to their, their surviving spouses or their, their surviving mm -hmm. family. But nonetheless, Chris, my take on this is I'm I'm gonna be watching this closely because yeah. if I, I to me there's a disconnect between this opening statement saying military grade strategy weaponry and right. what we saw, which is a bunch of redneck hillbillies. You, you see my disconnect? No, but I mean, you've also been in trial, right? You've also had to, you, you have to put on the puffery, right? You have to go out in your opening statements and give like the end of the world scenario, right? You have to go out there and be like, these guys had nuclear bombs in a briefcase and they were stopped by one man. Right. You have to like it's open statements. The whole thing, the whole thing is puffery. Right. It's going to come out in testimony. And you're right. These guys are y'all Qaeda. That's my favorite term for them. Y'all Qaeda. Right. I agree. Did, you, did but, you make that up? No, I've heard that before. That is All not right. a Chris Marone original. Oh, I, I, can't I was going to say you get a trademark oh. for that. I love that word. That right. Phrase. Right. Um, you, and I, I think you and I are both in agreement on this, that it was an absolutely piss poor attempt by a bunch of cosplaying patriots to try to take over the Capitol. And it failed. I don't obviously, even know miserably. what their attempt was. If you really right. want to suggest that it was their thought to take over and they go in with zero weaponry, mm -hmm. I just don't understand it. It, it. it makes no sense to me that this was some kind of strategy Ooh. to overthrow the United States government with a bunch of plastic spoons. I just don't understand this. One of, one of the one of the reports that I read um from an early statement from the um the shaman, the the guy who wore like the bull cap and all that stuff was the the thought was everybody was on the same side of overturning the government. So they the 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 idea or the notion at least that some of these people were operating under is that they were going to storm the Capitol 
and the cops were going to be on their side and the Congress was going to be on their side and everybody was going to be on the same side and they were just going to walk in and like essentially burn the ballots or destroy the ballots and elect Trump to be the president. That's like the consensus coming out of a lot of these people that are being convicted of J6 crimes. With, with no weapons. With no weapons, because everybody's on the same side. They don't need. It wasn't going to be a, a violent insurrection. It was going to be peaceful because we're all on the same side of democracy. Interesting. Hey, you know what? They I'm going to be following this Trump because I'm fascinated yes. by this. There's so Very many so. holes here, and if they again, I'm not saying these guys are innocent. I am just saying no. there's a huge disconnect there between right. the opening statement of military grade weaponry and military grade strategies. Mm -hmm. And what we saw, I hope and pray to God that if these guys really had a military grade strategy, they were never actually in our military because now I would be scared about the condition of our military if that is a product of the right. most powerful nation in the history yeah. of mankind. I, again, right. I almost hate to laugh at it, Chris. But it's laughable what these guys right. did. They're a bunch of hillbillies. Y'all Qaeda. They're kinda. not overthrowing the United States government mm -hmm. with what they did. Now, if I want to give some credence to mm -hmm. some legal strategy that to, over, right. to overthrow the election, yeah, I can see this strategy. And that is this. And Trump actually wanted the strategy. Pence, as the vice president, could have refused to accept some of these yeah. votes from these state legislatures saying you did not actually follow your own state's rules. So there's some dis discrepancy here. So you, the state legislature, and I'm making these states up, Tennessee, Kansas, you guys go back and convene and come back to us and tell us what vote you actually want us to, to accept. Now, by the way, this mm -hmm. does have some historical precedent, I believe back right. in 18... Hundred, the election of Thomas Jefferson over John Adams, there was an issue of what electors the, the, the Senate would accept. So the states would send a couple of different groups of, of electors. Which one would the, the Senate accept? That's the, the play that Trump was trying to do. Pence, of course, was saying, I'm having none of this, Mr. Trump. I am out of your right. cabinet. I know I'm out of your good graces. I'll accept whatever right. punishment that might be. But I'm not doing this. We're going to have a peaceful transfer of power. I am not playing along. My, I I agree. I think Pence made the right decision in that was because the states that it came down to was, um, what was it? Um, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, were the were the three ones that they were they were contesting, right. and if. And, and really the only focus was on Pennsylvania because if we reverse the vote, because Arizona and Wisconsin both went for Joe Biden, and so did Pennsylvania, went for Joe Biden. If you would have reversed Wisconsin and Arizona, Joe Biden still would have won. So okay. you had to have you would have had to have reversed all three, but very specifically Pennsylvania. And so they went and did the 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 different cases in Pennsylvania and four or five different cases came through and they all said, No, the, the system was followed, everything's fine, we're good to go. And that's where Pence has the backing to say, look, I would have sent it back to the states, but we did that. We went through the executive branch. We went through the legislative branch. We counted everything. We had independent auditors from both parties count it. We had Trump's auditors count it. It is what it is. Like, Trump, you lost. Right, and so I right. think that was, that was smart of Pence to, to, to be like, there's like what and I think even, even Pence was quoted as saying, would I have liked to have seen a different result in the election? Yes, I would have. But that's not the result we got. Right. And I got to tell you, that is one of the biggest 
institutions or traditions that I like about America, the peaceful transfer right. of power. Every four to eight years, we have right. new blood there in, in the White House. Right. We like that. We don't want insurrections. We don't want coups, right. anything like that. And so, Pence, my hat's off to you. Good job of not caving in uh, to that request. Well, and I think also if half of these Oath Keepers and half of these people realize that every two years we get to peacefully overthrow our government, like you can go in and vote out members of, of the House of Representatives every two years, which arguably right. have a larger impact on what laws are going to be passed in this nation than the President of the United States. Well, we're so going to talk about that take, here in just a bit. Take that energy. Take that energy right. and take it to, to your local polling place and get people registered and get them voting. Next up, also in the world of law slash sports, let's talk about Tua and his concussions. Ooh, uh, so you, you know what I'm talking about, but Tua uh, uh, Tungalavoa is the um, the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins having a great you know, breakout Amazing season. season. Amazing I, season. I, a lot of people were, were really watching him closely since he got Tyree killed. Now he would have no yeah. excuses to perform well. Well, he doesn't need any excuses. He was an MVP candidate. Well, then he, in a game, he was he fell down, and I saw this fall. I don't even want to say it was a hit. Yes, he was hit, but, man, it was a weak hit. His butt hit the ground and his back hit the ground. It did not mm -hmm. look like a hard fall at all. He got up kind of woozy. In fact, he stumbled yep. around. All the fans thought this guy had a concussion. You, when you see some guy stammering around mm -hmm. like that, that that's a definitely a concussion. Well, here's what happened. Well, Who it triggers makes... the concussion protocol. It does con trigger concussion protocol through the it players' does, it association. Starts it. It, it, it yeah. starts it, but here's the deal. You go back and there is going to be a, who makes the decision should Tua go back into the game? Now, Chris, I'll tell you who does not make that decision. The player, right? Because most right. players are like, I'm going back. Put in. me back you, in. Yeah, you I want to put be. me back in, coach. This is yeah. it. This is my game. I, I'm fine. I'm good. That's the the testosterone speaking or whatever. Mm -hmm. You You do not ask the player if the player is ready to go back in. Also, you don't ask the coach, right? No. Because the coach wants win. him to go back in. Hey, sack it up for me, buddy, or I'm going to find a replacement for you. So you don't want mm -hmm. the player or the coach making that decision. That's why right. you have an independent uh, person, independent voice who makes mm -hmm. that call. And here there was a physician who made that decision, and the right. physician cleared Tua. Chris, here's my thought. I know everyone is in uproars over this whole Tua concussion thing. Is it possible that there is no one to blame here? And this is just maybe a bad situation, a horrible situation that happened to Tua? Yes. But there always has to be someone to blame when this is... I mean, this is millions and millions of dollars on the line. Plus, I should have started with this is Tua's life and career on the line. That should it be is? the first part, right? It's Tua's life and career, and with all the stuff we know about concussions, CTE, and the long-term effect, there's someone to blame. 
Let's there stop right there. Let's just stop right there. I, I want to call you to task on this. I'm not Do I'm gonna call BS on that. I, okay. I heard that a lot. I can't tell you how much righteous indignation I heard right. from all these talking heads on ESPN, Fox Sports One, whatever mm -hmm. news channel, all about oh, we it's about the safety of the players. This is barbaric what these people might have done to putting Tua back into the field of play because of course he got that. the second yeah. concussion. Here's right. my take, Chris. We love the MMA. Have you heard of MMA? Have you heard of yeah. boxing? Oh, yeah. Huge oh, yeah. sports. I did some research. MMA is bigger than basketball at a world level. They have millions, yeah. hundreds of millions of fans watching MMA. Let's not even get into boxing as well. Do you know what the objective is in MMA? Oh, <laughs> to, to knock the other guy out. The yeah. other guy. The other girl, other whatever. It's, it's a, it's a person, male yeah. and a female sport. The object right. is to concuss the other person so they can't get up after the standing eight count or 10 count and they can go yeah. forward. So why in the era of football do we have all this righteous indignation of, oh, concussions are so bad when we have an entire sport dedicated to just that objective? I am not disagreeing with you. I am not. I played rugby for a bunch of years, and I only got one concussion in 10 years, and we don't play okay. with pads, and we play just as hard as football players. The image of, and you could see it every game, what happens the minute after somebody gets sacked? The defensive lineman jumps up, does a strut right out right, to the right. middle of the field, gives himself a, a call or whatever. The point in the NFL is to rock somebody. It yes. is to knock them out. Rugby, not so much. The point is to get the ball on the ground and move the ball up and down the field. But in a, in a sport that we know, and we know this because they have to wear pads. If, if you have to wear, there is a inherent understanding that this is a dangerous sport that could cause you a concussion. Right. Now, my job is to throw the football to Tyreek Hill. I'm Tua, that's my job. Uh, my job as Andrew Donald is to tackle Tua. Not saying that he's the one who did it, um, but my job as the guy on the sideline that is the neuro guy is to make sure that I err on the side of being overprotective of these guys in their careers. And that's why they're independent, allegedly, alleged right. independent, hired by the Players Association and the league and not affiliated with any team. My job is to look at Tua and go, okay, you fell, you stumbled. The league's concussion protocols is that you sit out the rest of the game and that we go and we run some tests to make sure you don't have a concussion. That's why so, they're to blame. They didn't follow the protocols that are set up. Not that, oh, they're trying to, like, this righteous indignation. Look, I have protocols for my job, right? If I, if I don't file a discovery motion, that's malpractice. I could right. be sanctioned for that, right? So it's not that... It's some righteous, you know, and mistakes are made. People make mistakes all the time. I'm not saying anything. The guy didn't follow concussion protocol. A mistake was made. I'm not so, angry at the guy. Just, you're done. You made a so mistake. So the physician who made that mistake has been fired by the Players yep. Association. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so uh, he's the one who made that call. Again, yeah. I could. I had a hard time believing that the coaching staff at Miami was the fault. And by the way, I, I think I glossed over it. Maybe you already know what I'm talking about. Yes, right. he was concussed in that first game, but then the very second game, they put him back in on 
Thursday, Thursday after right. he was just had this concussion, non-concussion on Sunday, put him right back in. He was right. knocked out then so bad that his fingers started becoming rigid yeah. and looked like some kind of yep. seizure maybe was going on. And he was taken rushed to the hospital. So a horrible situation there. And the outcry was, why did they put him back in? Just the fall, the, the, the next week, everyone knew he was concussed and they should not have done that. So again, that physician who made that call was right. fired. And so we'll have to see right. uh, again how this all plays out in the future. My thought is maybe this is a situation where outside of the physician, no one is to blame. I cannot imagine I... the coaching staff at, of, at Miami saying, yes, this Tua, he's our he's our star player. He's our future. Right. We don't care if he had a concussion. We want right. to play him anyways. You don't see why they would want to make that decision right. for one game. If it were the Super Bowl, okay, I can see that. But a game mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season, I'm right. not buying it. I think the actual people to blame is the Players Association. Okay. I, I think that they saw the hit on Sunday. And you and I watch football religiously on Sunday. Name me anybody else that was slightly concussed during the Sunday football, Monday night football, or Thursday football the week before. Right. No one. No one showed those symptoms. Nobody nobody showed anything. So if the NFL Players Association is serious about concussion protocol, Monday morning, they would have had Tua in. They would have had him looked at. They would have had MRIs done. Right. They would have had. They would have talked to the doctors. They would have plugged their – by the time Thursday came around, the, NF, the Players Association said they hadn't even reviewed his file yet. Yeah. What, what are what you, are you doing? doing? Right. What are you doing? You you have one job. Your one job is to represent the players. One job. And you couldn't so, do that. So, so again, firing I'm... the doctor, yeah, I get it. At the spot check, he he fumbled the spot check. Okay, put Tua back in. He played the rest of the game against the Bills, did an amazing job. Where was where was the NFL PA on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday morning? They were nowhere we're, to be we're found. We were all talking about it. Right, and they, they wanted to see Tua play against Joe Burrow, and they wanted to see that game. And so I think my righteous indignation is against the Players Association because right. they're not looking out for the players. There you go. So, Chris, let me just throw this one idea by you before we move on. Now, the issue is concussions and in yeah. professional sports. You are mm -hmm. playing at the highest level. Yep. Would you take five years off of your life for five hundred million dollars, yes. All right, there you go. without I, hesitation. I, I think a lot of guys would do that. That's why we sit without there and we go, yeah, MMA, boxing, football. It's a, it's right. a rough sport. It's a dangerous sport. Heck, it's a deadly sport. It People is. have been killed here. It will take mm -hmm. years off of your life. We would do that. There is a price no. for us, and we can't be bought right. for a certain price. That's just the reality of it. And so I think most guys understand that. Right. All right. I'm like, I can run this this trail all day, man. I can explain to you my just oh yeah. Easy. Easy. All right. Let's now move over to the Supreme Court, Merrill v. Milligan. We previewed mm -hmm. this case this last week. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments this week in this gerrymandering case. And Chris, I find mm -hmm. gerrymandering to be a fascinating topic. And it was a yeah. fascinating topic to the justices. I listened to the oral argument there and so in, in, in listening to the oral argument, I could not decide in the moment which way the court was going to go. Now, since I've right. had time to think about the oral argument, it's been now 24 hours. I'm kind of thinking most of those questions were geared 
towards a conservative uh, vote yeah. that's going to mm -hmm. uphold the the um uh, the maps or if they don't uphold the maps at least they send it back with a different test in mind for further uh, mm -hmm. review but nonetheless this is the issue with gerrymandering and i got actually a, a um uh a map here let me put it up map. here on our yeah. screen here so the people can see it uh let's see if mm -hmm. i got this right uh there you yep, go i got three so, maps here yeah you see those three maps this is the whole issue with Jerry with a uh, gerrymandering. So you, you have this, uh -huh. these are the, the statistics in this case, 27% of the Alabama population are blacks. All right. So 27%. So right then and there, you're thinking you're 27%. You're not the majority. You're, you're a minority. And so can they vote in the candidate of their choice? Well, Hold on. Mm -hmm. Now, there are seven different districts for the United States House of Representatives in Alabama. Gerrymandering is this thought. Okay, we know that the black population is 27%. How do we draw our boundary maps such that mm -hmm. they, that, that percentage of, if they're going to go for the other side, so let's just, that's right. another premise here that the, the, right. the this You're minority population is going to vote. vote Democrat the other way than the people who are in power drawing the lines. So that's a critical factor right. here. How can we draw these lines to minimize the impact of that vote? Well, there's two different ways to do it. One of them is equal proportionment amongst the entire population, right? You have 27%. That's not a majority mm -hmm. in any one jurisdiction. So, but still 27%, that might throw a lot of votes, elections, one way if those 27% vote lock, stock, and barrel. All right, mm -hmm. here's another thought. If this, this, this minority population is reasonably compact to one particular geographic area, then mm -hmm. you draw your map such that you throw 100% of them in one area, and that way the numbers outside of that area are diluted. And so that's right. the C right there. So here you have three different maps. The first map on the left, you could see that they could draw the maps such that um, basically two of the seven districts, this minority population would be able to vote in the candidate of their choice. And so they call those uh, minority majority districts. Uh, yep. And by the way, I did the math and two divided by seven is 28%. So roughly proportionate to the Very overall population. The, right. that they are to the, you know, again, the 27% of, of the population. All right. The second map is, is um, if, if the lines were drawn this way, they would only have one, the, the majority in one of the districts and not enough votes in all the other districts to vote right. in the candidate of their choice. All right. This third map shows you up. Ah, there's yet another way to do it. You could draw the right. maps this way and now this minority population would not have enough votes to any vote in their preferred candidate in any of the uh, the jurisdictions. And so that is the the problem with gerrymandering. How would you draw these lines? And under the undercurrent here is this thought that it's always going to be political. The the side oh, yes. drawing these lines are drawing it with this one thought in the back of their mind. They might not be saying it when no, they can be I recorded. Win. But they are drawing these 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 lines, saying, "Okay, which? How can we draw this to get us the most political power? 
Why? They're politicians. They are dirty. That's what politicians do. They very rarely think about what is fair. They think about what will allow us to stay in power the longest. So, Chris, any thoughts? Man, I, I worked, I mean, I worked in election law for a long time working for the party, and that is the overarching goal. How do we stay in power? How do we draw maps to stay in power? And that's the point of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, is that one political party that may dominate an area, right? California is dominated by Democrats. New York is dominated by Democrats. That they don't hold all the power all the time. That's that's the, the whole point of Section 2. So I think that I could draw every map in this country to allow for a Democrat to win everywhere. I could, We could okay. sit down and redraw the maps to where Democrats could win every county in every state in America. And people will say, oh, no, you can't do that. Oh, you can. You can figure out a creative way to draw maps for every Democrat. to, And you can figure out a creative way to draw maps for every Republican to win. It is right. a full-on possibility to do so. Right. Right? Um, and so I think that's why the Voting Rights Act is so important. And, you know, under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, you know, the Federal Consent Clause, a lot of states went out of their way to disenfranchise to create this far right map, right? The, the where it's no representation at all, only the political party we want to represent. Whether that's blue or red, that's a bad idea. It is always a bad idea to dominate by one party. That's called a dictatorship. We've had this discussion. Um, and so having, having the states have to go back to a non-biased or at least what we think is a non-biased body, the judiciary, to make a decision on whether or not maps are acceptable is important because that allows for the minority population that may be getting gerrymandered out to have a voice to say, look, I'm not going to win every district. I get that, but I need to, I need to have representation. Equal representation is the foundation of this country. And I should be able to have that just as much as everyone else. There you go. Well, I, I, I went back and looked at the questions from the different justices and I I can pretty much count six votes i think that are all in agreement with this concept how do you draw this map and what right. role should race play in the drawings of the districts and according to i think the majority of the conservatives on the court because they're they're the basically they're in control of the supreme court yep, so they're they are how they think about this really is going to control and they're saying look can you draw these maps the, the these lines in such a way that is that it's sufficiently large and compact to constitute a majority in a reasonably configured district. Brett Kavanaugh said it this way. He said um, he, his focus was on an, was, was this. Uh, he goes, what the key under our precedent in interpreting Section 2 in the Constitution correctly, whether the additional majority black district in the challenger's map is reasonably compact. So in other words, is when you're drawing these lines, do mm -hmm. they follow normal boundary drawing principles right. roads geographic rivers roads, mountain ranges like yeah county Cities. lines exactly yeah. normal so if they do follow right. normal districts like that it's going to be fine that's what we're going to look at what we're going to look mm -hmm. at skew to are the really oddly shaped districts that, that right. tend to defy your traditional boundary drawing principles and now you say okay you're just drawing that now to garner more votes. And those are the ones we're going to look at a right. little bit closer here. They're going to say this the map that Alabama had 
it was reasonably compact. It was reasonably drawn, and there's no reason to throw it away uh, just simply because someone else could draw it in a different way to get more votes in that direction. But again, that's just my prediction on how the court is going to rule. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm I'm always interested to see how the court's going to rule because in normal liberal conservative lines, when it comes to voting, you don't really see you see more crossover because voting seems to be such a, a near and dear issue to all the, and I think it does to all Americans voting is very important. Well, that's not true. Yes. We get like 51% of voter turnout, but the idea of voting is incredibly important to, yes, the to, idea. to the judiciary and the idea of fair representation is very important. So I think it is, it, it's hard to predict that a conservative would rule X or a liberal would rule Y on these types of cases, because it is so, into the weeds minutia as well. Like they, well, they're going to get into the maps and get in there and look at them. Well, this is what the conservative justices are going to be concerned with. It's like, no, we don't want to just simply allow this, this group to challenge the state's mm -hmm. own map by saying, Oh, you could draw it in a different way. Well, yeah, right. you could draw it in a million different ways. That's not mm -hmm. the issue. The issue is, is this map that was drawn? What's wrong with it? Again, underlying this, this idea is federalism principles, where this is a conservative court. They are going to want to defer to the state's own map. And just because some challenger comes to federal right. court and says, I could draw it differently, does not mean these conservative justices are going to jump at that chance to redraw that map. No, no. no. The, the state drew this map, and they should be allowed to draw their own map. If we are going to redraw that map, we better have a good reason for doing so. But if what you're telling right. me is this map was reasonably drawn, and by the way, the map that was drawn by the challengers here was a very much a gerrymandered map. I mean, it looked all they all it, are. It stretched. Yeah. It, it, they all are. You're right. They go. They went coast they to are. coast. So now to the conservatives, like now you're just drawing a map to get your side more power. We don't want to do this. That's for the states right. to decide. Have your right. elections. We're just gonna say, is this map? reasonably compact is it reasonably drawn does it follow traditional boundaries if the answer is yes then hands off all right so all right moving on now to our next case i know this is gonna this this actually is a fascinating case chris i'm interested to see if you have any hot takes on this one by the way chris that's why i have you on this podcast you know <laughs> how to bring the hot take oh good oh good are gravy. you gonna are you gonna bring it I uh, yeah depend yeah oh actually yeah I'm gonna bring it hard this is this is one of my hard. hot takes all right do Trump it Trump let's set it has, set it your favorite candidate Donald Trump has gone to the going. Supreme Court this week asking the Supreme Court to step into the Maro Lago dispute here's what happened as you know there was a raid if we can call the January sixth the insurrection we most definitely can call this a Mar-a-Lago raid. Well, nonetheless, yep. they went into his Mar-a-Lago estate, his dungeon, his basement, whatever. The FBI SWAT teams go in there and they take over all these boxes of documents that apparently Trump and the, the National Archives were having a squabble over. When should these documents be returned? Are they classified? Things like that. Well, mm -hmm. National Archives wants them back. So they do this raid on Trump's compound. Mm -hmm. All right. So they, they, now the issue is, oh, will there be some criminal proceedings resulting from these documents? So Trump then Maybe. filed a lawsuit in federal court there in, in uh, Florida saying, hey, look, I want a, a judge to overlook what is going on here because the DOJ, yep. it, it's a political branch. The Biden administration, 
they're my political enemies. They're trying to score political points. And so we want a special master to be appointed over this process to make sure it's all on the up and up. And Chris, you know, my take from the beginning, from the beginning was the appointment of a special master was a huge win for the DOJ because that would that would cleanse this raid and make mm -hmm. it look like it's neutral. You have a neutral uh, special master there. There's no indication the special master won't be doing his or her job. And so it was a huge win for the DOJ. Well, they didn't see it that way. So they appealed no. it to the 11th Circuit. The 11th Circuit reversed it in mm -hmm. large part. It says, no, you the DOJ can use these documents for an ongoing criminal investigation. No need for the special master to have exclusive control over these documents. Well, now Trump is going to the United States Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. How will the court rule on this issue? Any thoughts before I dig in? First off, can we really point out like this whole thing, this whole Trump's going to a judge, special master, going to the Supreme Court, all of this is couched in Trump's privilege. Like, not presidential privilege, the fact that Trump has the money to do this. He gets to he gets to draw this out as long as he wants, or as long as the courts are going to allow, which will probably be forever because it's good, it's good news, um, that he gets to do this. It's absolutely idiotic. The special master has been, in my opinion, neutered. They, they asked for documents. They don't get them. The judge says that the special master can't get what he wants. So there's kind of like, what's the point? I think that it's hard to have two Trump appointees on the bench determining whether or not the person that appointed them should get what they want out of this because a lot of, a lot of politicking is quid pro, or quid pro quo, right? We appoint our friends so that way our friends rule in our favor. There, you gotta look I at don't that. think though. I don't think that I don't really Trump's do. appointees are going to. Oh yeah. No, nah, I, 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 I think. I, I see oh, I, going. for sure. I think. I, they are, I, well, first off, I mean, we can we can run this. I mean, Trump had two, who had three justices and two stolen seats. So there's that. So I think they're illegitimate to begin with. But that's a whole nother topic that we don't have to really get into. And I can be talked off that ledge. But I I think that I think that. The federal court and the Supreme Court, they're going to hear it, right? It went, to, it went to Thomas, and Thomas did the smart thing and said, let's kick it over for 10 days, let the DOJ do their thing. And then I think Thomas is also going to do the smart thing and say, let's put this to the full panel rather than letting me do it on my own because I'm already a little tethered to Trump and some of this stuff with my wife, and let's let's put a buffer there. Let's put a buffer in between there and make make you know Gorsuch say something or make John Roberts say something. Um but this is just stall tactics. At the end of the day, it's just stall tactics. Well, let's take a look at that. I, I agree with the stall tactic aspect of it. Some people suggest right. this court is a political court. Now, I, I don't buy that in large part. Uh, maybe it's an ideological court. But nonetheless, let's assume right. that that's true and that this is mm -hmm. a political body. Uh, if that were true, then they will not take up this case because... I don't think the establishment in Washington wants Trump to be the next president of the United States. They want him taken out. They've had enough of Trump. Uh, they do not think Trump was being honest. They, he wanted to upset the traditions of the peaceful balance of power. The justices have had enough of Donald Trump. And so if they were a political body, they would say, you know what? Let him be indicted. Let's just move forward. 
without Trump. And let's just end this nightmare once and for all, if they were a political body. So I, I wonder how the court is going to rule. Here's another thought. Will the court be enticed by the constitutional issues at play? Because I do think the constitutional, constitutional issues are fascinating. Who gets to determine if these documents are classified or not? Maybe they want to speak on that issue. The, the court likes that issue of presidential power versus legislative power, you know, versus judicial mm -hmm. power, the, right. the, the power between the different branches of government. And so they probably would like to, to speak on that as well. But third, here's my, my, my main takeup from this. The court, I've had a lot, I've had a lot of experience with, with courts over the years. So have you, mm -hmm. and I, my main, I know some courts are bought and paid for. I get that there is corruption mm -hmm. in the courts. I get that as well. But more than that, courts want to do the right thing. And courts deploy a smell test. And if something does not smell right, if the court thinks you are being disingenuous with the court, playing fast and loose with the facts and lying to the court, I'm telling you, the justice do not have patience for that. They That will rile their feathers like nothing else will. And so here, if they actually take a look and what's in those boxes and they say oh this is this is a game here this is a game between one body and over to over the next between the political game between two different parties they're going to try to find a way to level that playing field but they probably just going to say you know what hands off we're going to let these people fight it out on their own I'm, i have no idea i guess here's the bottom line i have no idea how the court is going to rule i can see them going in one of ten different directions I'm yeah, they could go a thousand different directions, right? It's hard to predict what's what's gonna happen. I think that I think it benefits um I think it benefits the Republican Party to have this in the news because then they can keep hitting on Joe Biden's banana republic. Keep hitting on do you want someone in power that's trying to take out their political enemies? No matter how it ends up, that narrative can keep getting spun. And that's why I think it's gonna go for a super long time stall. It's gonna go through the midterms. It may even go into the Biden reelection campaign. I don't I I don't think that Trump is gonna rerun for president, mainly because then he would have to declare his financials and he makes a ton of money off of Trump 24 swag, the flags, the hats, the shirts, the websites, the, the, the donate, like he doesn't, because he hasn't declared or filed as a president, all that money goes directly to him. And if Trump is anything, he is a great grifter and he can get money all he wants. And I think that's his end goal is to increase his wealth. I and, do agree with you on this. And then we can move over to our most important section of the day. Yeah. And that is this. I think Trump, if you listen to this podcast, here mm -hmm. is my advice for you. Be the Hire Godfather. Chris Marone. Watch, watch the Godfather one, two, and three. Be the, right. everyone loves the Godfather. They fear the Godfather. Right. You handpick right. who should be your replacement in the Republican party. That way you right. are pulling the strings. Take the Godfather position. It is open for oh. you, and you're the man for the job. You don't need to run in 2024. All right. That being right. said, Chris, it is now time for Gambling is Bad with Chris and Joel. All right, Chris. Yeah, we've been already talking some sports, and so we don't need to rehash uh, the Tua issue. But I right. let, let's talk a little football. I got to tell you, I am excited now about football. We are now on to week five. A lot has been going on. 
Let me start with this issue here before we get to our picks. Let me actually get that off the screen here for us just a bit. Uh, but let's 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 go ahead and address this issue, Chris. Aaron Judge just hit home run number sixty-two. Did you catch Good that in the news? I did. Oh, oh, you mean like that's the only thing in the news right now? No, no, no. He, that, he, he hit home run number sixty-two, right. and a fan right. caught it. Let's Overboard. assume you caught. Aaron Judge's 62nd home run ball. Mm-hmm. What would you do with that ball? Sell it back to Aaron Judge for a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> All right, good, good, good. I like that. Leverage, I was gonna say, leverage the, the snot out of it to get as much money from it as humanly possible. It is being estimated that that ball is now worth over a million dollars. Now, Judge is good going to gravy. make over a billion dollars in his career. He's a young for guy. Sure. He's a marketable oh, guy. Oh, yeah. These baseball contracts are insane. He lives in New York City. His contract is going to be worth probably $50 million a year starting next year. This guy's going to make an insane amount of money. He does not need a million dollars. This fan who caught this ball, that's life-changing money. I know a lot of people are going to hold it against this guy saying, you should just give it back. It doesn't belong to you. That's the right thing to do. The guy who caught it's like a hedge fund manager and has a ton of money. He's he runs oh, really? it like a, a hundred and sixty-seven billion dollar hedge. I was reading this this morning on ESPN. Like the guy who caught the ball can hold out for whatever he wants because money is not an issue for him. Change everything I just said. Give it back yeah. and do the right thing. No, I'm just kidding. Do the right no thing. Do the, <laughs> well, I remember because it's it's popped up a lot too. The fan that caught Mark McGuire's record ball, right? Right. The St. The St. Louis Cardinals offered him like. You get to have tickets, like you get season tickets for life. You get to have this. And the fan goes, I want all of that, yes. But I want to meet Mark McGuire as well and get a picture. And okay. Mark said, no. Mark said, nope, not going to do it. And so the fan went three months later, sold the ball for like $5 bucks at Southby's auction. And was like, cool, what? I'll just take my $5 million and go. Mark McGuire would not pose for a picture with this guy? Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm going to find the story and give it to you. All right. I have, I have no no words for that story. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I would not believe yeah, I, I don't fault the guy for selling it for a billion dollars. Why not? You caught right. the ball. That's how the game is played. If a foul ball right. comes or a home run ball comes, you are now in possession of that ball. That's how it has been in Major League Baseball ever since I was a little kid. By the way, Chris, yep. do you know how many balls I have caught at a Major League Baseball game? Like four? Zero, none. Z- you would think Joel, that one is of these travesty. days. That is I a travesty. I don't know. I we were at a Giants Diamondbacks game, and I was mid hot dog, and my wife got hit by a foul ball. Okay, and she absolutely refuses to go to baseball games with me now because that was the one rule. We could go to as many baseball games as we want as long as she never got hit with a foul Ooh, ball. She got and hit. I was literally she got hit. The ball came and it. She tried to catch it and missed it, and it hit her. Nice. I was like. Chris. I know. I was mid hot dog looking where, the other direction. Where were you? My bad. My bad. I was mid hot dog. I was mid mid, mid, was, mid hot dog. I was mid hot dog in the mouth <laughs> in La Boca. The hot dog was in La Boca. And I was looking the other direction, um, talking to a buddy of mine that was at the game with us. I hear the foul ball, and we're still talking because it, it's foul balls. But it just it it hit her and it was we were done. Wow. 
All right, yep. there you go. Well, you know, I, I, maybe some marital counseling might be good for you. I, I don't know, maybe. but you let your wife get hit with a foul ball. You are serving oh, yeah. your penance of going to all future baseball games stag. Nah. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's game. penance. I, I, I don't even know what I'm saying <laughs> here now. Part of a master plan there, Joel. Master I'm plan. Sh- I'm going to shut up right here and just move on uh, to our next topic. <laughs> exactly. All right, so I would agree with you. Uh, do not give the ball back. All right. Mm-hmm. Also in the news, my beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers. And so I know we've been following the plight of Nebraska this year. And we started off by firing our coach only after three games. Apparently that was a trending thing to do because now several other teams have followed by firing the coach. Less Nebraska gets a an early, you know, play on the next head coach. I believe Arizona State, you fired the great <laughs> Herm Edwards. I can't believe you fired the former Kansas City Chiefs head coach, but you did. Uh, and so Wisconsin fired their coach of, of all teams. Yeah. Did you yep. see that? Wisconsin. Whose coach, I think his record was like 72 and 20, something in that realm. Yep. I mean, a something huge like that, yeah. winning percentage. He's had 10 win seasons, 11 win seasons. You're going to fire that guy? Has you not yep. learned the lesson? from Nebraska. We had a coach like that, Frank Solich. We fired him for winning 10 games a year, and we have never righted that ship. So we are still on our way down. But maybe now, Nebraska, so this week, by the way, let me get our picks up here on the screen. Nebraska Mm -hmm. is playing Rutgers this week. And so let me just put that up there. So before we get into our picks of this next week, uh, this is our gambling is bad slide. I say that because I am very much against gambling. I'm not a big believer in gambling whatsoever. I feel strongly that if you go to Las Vegas, which I have done on multiple occasions, and you Mm -hmm. see all of those palaces, Caesars Palace, all of these Mm -hmm. wonderful casinos, you do realize that those weren't donations that built those palaces. No, yep. those were your losings. They took your yep. money because you lost money. You lost yep. more than you won. That's why they had money to build those palaces. So it's not right. a good, unless you just enjoy it, right? That's a whole nother right. issue. But right. if you realize as, it's entertainment, right? I'm paying 25 bucks to go be entertained and play cards with strangers. But is it entertainment? Is it? Because I gotta tell you, I Not go there, and I I tried it a couple of times. Do you know how long my money lasts? Minutes. Boom, gone. Yeah. I don't know how to keep that money. So how long am I being entertained? Seconds? Minutes? Yep. I don't know. That's a whole other story. If I can find a strategy that will allow me to ex- stretch my entertainment dollar for the whole time I'm there, maybe I might be enticed to be a gambler. I just don't have that strategy. So I, I watch. I love watching other people lose their money. I just don't have a winning strategy. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. But sports gambling, I have read, is one of those things where maybe actually this is something you can win money at mm-hmm. if you're knowledgeable. Because this is unlike all of the other gambling things where the odds are designed. You're going to lose eventually. With right. sports gambling, you actually are bringing your knowledge to the equation. Uh-huh. That being said, Chris, so far, I am 11 and 11 and 1. I am right. batting 500. I was 4 and 3 last week. Mm-hmm. You had a 2 and 3 a week last week. You are now 7 and 13. Here, Chris, I found this interesting. Our listeners. Uh. 
were four and one last week picking against the spread. And so you Good and I for you listeners. to our listeners. And um, and so their the record this year is six and three. We are getting our butts kicked by our listeners. Hey, listeners, vote again this week. The link is there on our website, on the show mm-hmm. notes, on our Facebook page. Uh, again, keep it up and we'll we'll just see who wins at the end of this year. Right. Chris, myself, or the listeners. That being the said. Listeners. Hey, I'm done talking. You know, let's go over my my week five wow. picks here, Chris. And, and so they're up there on your screen. Uh, and so let's just talk about these games and see which games interest you. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I have the Steelers over the Bills. Why? Fourteen points. I don't know. Yeah, fourteen. Fourteen points. points. Is huge. Fourteen Two points. And the Bills a lot. The the Bills didn't perform super well against the third string quarterback of New England. So I mean. Yeah. I mean, here's what's going to happen. Let's say the Bills get up by, by 28 points. That's huge, right? right? 28 oh, points. Of course it is. Huge. Do you think they're sending out Josh Allen to finish no. up that game and to throw no. the, the long bomb? No. no. Not after the Tua incident specifically, right? I yeah. bet you quarterbacks yeah. are going to be a little more like on edge after, and the Players Association and everybody else. So with, if you're with up 28 points, touch- Josh Allen is going to sit. Yeah, four touchdown lead. They're going to sit him. I can easily see two late touchdowns by Pittsburgh. But here's the big reason why I have it. Every year you see, go ahead and look at the past. Look up the coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is an amazing coach. Mike Tomlin knows how to win. He wins every single year. He makes it Mm -hmm. to the playoffs. At some point in time this year, he's going to right that ship. Will it be this week? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They are just they just did a quarterback change. So they're going with a rookie quarterback. So I get that. Yeah. That's going to be difficult. At the same time, they don't have a they don't the, the, the Buffalo Bills do not have a good book on on Josh or on Pickett to know how how to best yeah. defend him. So maybe this is Pickett's week and he can get a, some, a couple of easy touchdowns. I don't know. I just saw that 14 points. That's steered me to the Steelers way and then in addition to that you got to throw in the fact that um I'm, I'm a big believer in Mike Tomlin and at some point in time yeah he's gonna write this ship Falcons v Bucks Chris I know you and I disagree on this one we do let me throw a stat by you of all of the starting quarterbacks right now in the NFL okay. you know only one quarterback is undefeated is four and oh against the spread do you know who that one quarterback is? Could it be Falcons quarterback? Was it Joe it Flacco? Be. It is no. not Joe Flacco. It's, it is um, Marcus Mediocre. No, Marcus right. Mariota. Uh, Marcus Mariota. Tennessee Titans called him Marcus Mediocre. But right. uh, he is 4-0. and I think last week he had all of seven completions. So he's not exactly right. blowing up the stats board. That being said... Right. I got over eight and a half points. I have to think Marcus Mediocre is going to cover that spread. And so my money is going. Plus, have you heard? Now these aren't even rumors. Apparently these are reports that Giselle's hired a divorce attorney. Yep. Well, and I think think that's distracted Brady from his game, especially, I mean, we saw his performance against your Kansas City Chiefs. Um, But I think... I don't know. I think Brady might come back with a vengeance on this one and just ram it down everybody's throat that he's still a, a elite quarterback after two mediocre back-to-back games. I can but see we'll that see. as well. I can see him being that's why, ticked That's why I picked the Bucks. I think, yeah, I think he's angry. I think he's going to come out and, and just do it. 
Or it could just, this could be the downward spiral of Brady, right? This could be the, he should have retired last season, Brady. You are under, you're operating under this theory that divorce attorneys Mm -hmm. can bring out the best in in a person. Freedom does that. Exactly. All right. Bengals plus three over the Ravens. I, I just, I am scared. I am scared of, of uh, Joe Burrow. He is that good of a quarterback. He beat the Chiefs. He whipped up on the Chiefs. Ended our season last year. I have a very, very healthy fear of one of Joe Burrows. And so I I just have to say Bengals. I get Bengals plus three points. I'm taking it. The Chiefs. That's almost even money, man. That's almost even money on the Bengals and the Ravens. But it is. All right. Chiefs and the Raiders. Yes. Chiefs Chiefs all day. You have to know they have the Raiders number. And so they always do. If if it's a big time game, just know the Chiefs will be bringing it. I do know it's a touchdown, so this definitely could be a a, a toss up at the end. I can see the Chiefs winning right. by a field goal. Maybe the Raiders score late because the Chiefs love mm-hmm. that prevent defense. So that that spread scares mm-hmm. me. I gotta take my Chiefs. Well, it was Here's like last co- week with the with the Bills game, right? We thought the Bills were going to win by a ton more than they did, and they if they would have scored in that last drive. They would have won. They would have. They would have covered yeah. the spread. But instead, they they ran down the clock to almost zero and kicked the field goal, which showed that they learned from last season when they went for the touchdown and gave time to the Chiefs to be able to 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 connect and all that jazz. So, good football IQ on the Bills, but bad for the spread. All right. I I, I then went over to my, the college football side of, of KU the man website. Rock chalk. Here is my take on sports gambling. If you can find a storyline that runs counter to the national narrative and the national, that's how the sports line is picked, by the way, because you didn't know the, the line is not picked based upon Vegas and the experts saying, who do we think is going to win by how many points? That's not what Vegas does. No, here's what Vegas does. Vegas says, where do we put the line such that half the bets that we receive fall on one side and half Mm -hmm. fall on the other side? We're the house. We want to just make sure there's an even distribution on both sides. So if there's a national storyline that you know is wrong, that Mm -hmm. is a good pick. And so here, even though I know recently – the nation is starting to love the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. It's not going to happen this week. Uh, I still think that the, the nation is not ready to bet on the Kansas Jayhawks. And they see TCU. And they remember TCU as being a part of Texas. Texas yep. is football. And they right. have been highly ranked before. And the money is not going the Jayhawks way. So I think this is still another pick where the, the actual true storyline is counter to the national narrative. The yep. Jayhawks are much closer than a seven-point dog to TCU. Also, sure. Nebraska over Rutgers. I don't get this one. How is Nebraska favored? Well, I don't care. I'm a huge Nebraska fan. I, I'm taking it. Here's why, Chris. Take your victories. You know who's going to be Nebraska's next head coach? Let me tell you. Urban Meyer. You're stumbling. Uh, no. I would love no. Urban Meyer to be our next coach. Urban Meyer. Mickey Joseph. Who is okay. Mickey Joseph? I can hear you yourself thinking, Joel. Yeah, you I have just no mentioned clue. somebody's name. Who is this Mickey guy? 
Mickey Joseph was a former quarterback at Nebraska. He then became a coach, went to LSU, and he formed the transfer of receivers uh, at LSU. They then won a national title there at LSU. He is the hottest commodity when it comes to assistant coaches. Well, he then goes to Nebraska, is their wide receivers coach this year, was promoted to head coach when Frost was fired. It's his job to lose. And I'm telling you, he has... The team has rallied around him. All right, let's this go. Is his job to lose, and I think he is going to step, make a huge step towards securing that job with a solid performance against Rutgers. Oh yeah, Texas for sure. A&M plus twenty four over. Now Texas A&M is not a bad program, by the way. Their coach Jimbo Fisher, you remember who he is? A former assistant. With Alabama, there's bad blood between these two schools this offseason. Jimbo Fisher accused Nick Saban of cheating. Y'all remember that? There's a big issue between Mm -hmm. Saban and and his former assistant, uh, Jimbo Fisher. And so I Mm -hmm. think that's going to be a lot closer than 24 points, though Alabama will still win it. Finally, Iowa, Illinois. This is where they've they, they finally gone crazy. So I know Iowa cannot score. And, and last week I, I said, you got to take the under on Iowa-Michigan. They're going to score under 42.5. They actually mm-hmm. scored 41 points last week, so barely made it. The oddsmakers drove that line even further down. I think here is where the tide Plus is going 25. to turn, and it's going to be the over on 35.5. So, all right, Chris, yeah. those are my picks. Why don't you Solid go over picks. your picks? So, obviously, the Niners came out, and big props to them for beating the snot out of uh, uh, L.A. Rams. Appreciate that. But if they could have held Cooper Cup, I would have won my fantasy league, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but I'm picking the Niners over Carolina. Baker Mayfield really is is kind of coming up a goose egg there in Carolina. His, he he's not doing as well as we, we thought he was going to do, and maybe he's all flash and no substance. I mean, I'm not ready to abandon him yet, but, but man, I am really – to, to bet against them against the Niners because Jimmy G is putting up some numbers. He's loving life. Um, they're coalescing. Things are going well. So, of course, Niners for a touchdown over Carolina, too easy. We just pause Absolutely right too there. Easy. Can we just pause right there? I think yeah. Jimmy G is going to be one of the best storylines from this past this year. season. Oh, the yes. fact that they cut him. So we don't want you. We don't care that you took us right. to the Super Bowl. We don't care that you took us to the right. championship game last year. You are trash to us. Get out of here. Well, right. no one else wanted him. No one else wanted a Jimmy G. And so right. 49ers said, you know what? We need a backup. I mean, there's no way we're going to let you be a starter here. But right. before you come back and be our backup, you got to take a serious pay cut. Pay, yeah. Jim G said, that's all right, dude. I just want to play, so I'll do this. He is now their savior. What an incredible storyline. Well, and can we talk about Jimmy G's composure during all of this, right? He could have been trash-talking the Niners. He could have been running his mouth. He could have been on Twitter. He could have been doing all. He could have hit all the talking shows, and he could have ran his mouth. Right. Jimmy G stayed quiet and did what he could. He restructured his deal, which I'm sure hurt. Right, because that's some BS to have to restructure his deal. But he stayed with the Niners. Millions of dollars he lost, but now he's regaining it back through incentives in his contract. Jimmy G's the real deal. Whether as a person, he's the real deal. As a player, he's he's putting up well. But to show that type of composure in this type of environment, that says a lot about his character. As a player, you know what he does? He wins. That's That's all he does. He wins. 
Last right. I checked, that's the whole point in, in a football 100%. game is to score more points than the other team does. He has been a huge winner for the 49ers right. and one of the best storylines this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm all in with Jimmy G as I always have been. Um, I picked Pitt Buffalo, right? right? You know, we talked pick, about that earlier. That's all right. There's no way Buffalo is going to get. Yeah, there's no way Buffalo is going to go two touchdowns up. Um, New England going to lose that one, but we're going to lose together. Together, that brings us together, right? Uh, New England over Detroit. New England showed a lot of heart against the Green Bay Packers, pushing them into overtime. Aaron Rodgers was on his game too, and still to be able to push into overtime. Um, Zappy is is a solid third string quarterback, right? So, so we're going to pick New England for three points over the Lions. Come on. This is me. Belichick's time to shine. He wants right. to prove that he's an amazing coach. We're here, here dude. You have mm-hmm. a third as stringer. Let's see right. what you can do. Exactly. Uh, Tampa Bay, I'm picking over the Falcons for reasons we discussed earlier. Uh, Jacksonville over Houston. I think, I mean, Houston is 0-3-1. and so I think Jacksonville's going to go ahead and go in and trounce them. Houston's not coalescing at all. And then lastly, of course, Mahomes is going to run is going to run roughshod over the Vegas Raiders. And so go. we've hit that pretty hard. All right. It's going to be another great week of football. I cannot wait Fantastic to week. watch it. I'm actually headed down to Florida. We have to do some hurricane repair down there. Oh, and so hopefully we'll find some supplies. Hey, if you know how to do siding, give me a call. I want to talk to you, but hey, you know what? Have a great week, Chris. Watch some football, and we will talk to you next week. See you, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.